Please join me in reading our scripture this morning. It's in two parts. So we've got the first reading from the book of First John, chapter 4, verses 19 to 21. Won't get mine. And then the next one will come from Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. And I'll start with First John. Yeah, 1 John, not 1 John. 1 John 4, 19 to 21. I'll read from the NIV. We love because he, loved, he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For everyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. We then turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. It, has, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and be, become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth, by the wives and blown here and there, by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the, proof, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the end, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, and as each part does its work. That's the word of the Lord. Let's pray as we spend time in God's word together. Lord God, as we sit under your word this morning, please incline our minds towards you and your ways. Please open our eyes to see your beauty. Please focus our hearts on you. May you refresh us this morning with your great love and grace so freely given. And may you empower us as we pursue the way of Jesus in our lives. Amen. Okay, so you can see, uh, see my title uh, there coming up on the screen. Uh, Don't volunteer for church. Don't volunteer for church. Now, 
Am I just trying to use some reverse psychology on you? Is the, the pastor trying to trick you into signing up to do something? You know, reverse, re- reverse psychology, things like uh, don't touch that and there's a wet paint sign and there's, there's something well out, welling up inside of you that just thinks, I wonder how wet really is wet. Or someone says, don't look over there. And there's a lot in you that's going, I don't I really want to turn my head and look over there. Reverse psychology. Uh, or there's images like these coming up on the screen. Uh, buttons like this one. Uh, also, signs like uh, this one from a pizza restaurant. Come and try the worst pizza one guy on TripAdvisor ever had in his life. Uh, I like it. Uh, nice response to our, to our internet feedback. Uh, and please do not throw stones at this sign. Um, I like to put a thank you on the bottom as well. Uh, reverse psychology. Uh, no, I am certainly not trying to use reverse psychology on you. I want to do something much better this morning. So, so what, is, what is a volunteer? A volunteer, uh, by definition, is an individual who, who freely offers to take part in the task of an organisation. You, the individual, give some of your precious time as a favour for an institution. And there's a lot that's great about that. You know, there are lots of aspects of our society and community that rely heavily upon the goodwill of many volunteering people. But volunteering for an institution that, that's a highly problematic mindset for a church to have. It's theologically deficient and practically limiting. We need a much better paradigm, pattern of thinking for serving in the life of the church. We need a paradigm shift, a fundamental change in approach or our underlying assumptions. So I want this morning, uh, by the power of God's word and his spirit, to see each one of us just equipped a little bit more with a, with a far better vision of serving in the life of the church. We're talking about why serve in the life of the church. And the answer, the answer is far better than, well, I guess I should. I, I, I guess I better volunteer and do my bit. I want to give you a defense of the necessity of serving in church life and a biblical framework for the reasons why. So for those of you who are already serving a lot, uh, my prayer is that this would bless you with a clarity of purpose. And and for those of you who who might be doing very little, uh, that this would be an opportunity uh, to reassess and reconsider uh, and consider a potential change in how you serve. Uh, This morning we're going to look at at various uh, passages across the Bible. Uh, rather than our usual of just one. And we're going to be looking at three biblical themes related to serving in the life of the church. The first theme, uh, God's motivating love for us and our expression of our love for him. Uh, Secondly, the mission of God's people. And and thirdly, the nature of belonging to Jesus' body. So firstly, uh, visible love. Why serve in the life of the church? You serve because you have been loved and you do love. You serve because you have been loved and you do love. 
Uh, Come with me to 1 John 4, verse 19. If you've got a Bible or device, great to have it there. It will also be up on the screen. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. So our motivation to do good things can never be to increase our standing with God in some way. So if you do a task because you think that it will make God love you more or like you more or feel warmer towards you or you do that task because it feels like it secures your relationship with him in some way or you do that task because you you feel like you need to prove your genuineness to God, please stop doing that task and rest in him. Our motivation for serving God must always flow from confidence in his love for us. Thankfulness for for all that he is and all that he has done and all that he is doing. Thankfulness for that. And it must flow from, from awe and wonder at the extravagance of his grace and his kindness towards you. From from verses like Mark 10.45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. And so you say, the Lord has given me so much. How could I not serve? As you dwell on God's great love towards you, that's the fuel of your love towards others whom he loves also. When we fix our eyes on, on God and his love expressed towards us, a, a desire to please him and bring him glory will well up in us in response. Uh, emotions like that, then, then they have to go somewhere in our interconnected bodies. They, they can't just remain in, in our heads and in our hearts. They've, they've got to come out in our lives. And so serving in church life is an important way to express your love, your love for God. Uh, uh, John continues on in verse 20. Whoever claims to love God and yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Our love for God must be visibly displayed in the way that we love other Christians. And this verse is specifically talking about the way we love other brothers and sisters, other, other Christians. Now certainly elsewhere it is clear from Scripture that we are to love all people, but notice the important place of demonstrated love amongst Christians. It, it's strong language. He says you you cannot claim to love God and yet have no love for your brother and sister. And and that's logical when we think about it. In a similar way, you you can't claim to be my friend and care about me and then go and intentionally vandalise my stuff, damage my car or my house or or things. There's a disconnect between the, the claim and the do. John also records uh, similar words from Jesus. And so come with me now over to John's Gospel, John's Gospel, chapter 13. 
here, here we pick up a conversation with Jesus and his disciples uh, where, where Jesus is very much aware that his death on the cross is fast approaching. And, and in that awareness, he only gives one command to his disciples. John 13, verse 34. A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this will everyone know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So what does loving one another look like? Well, it, it certainly cannot just be sort of warm, fuzzy feelings in the heart. Mm, I feel so much love towards everyone. No, no, Jesus is assuming that the love is, is visible. Verse 35, the outside world will know we're disciples of Jesus because they see the way we love others. It's, it's visible love. I wonder, does anyone like a good bit of Christian merchandise? Christian merchandise. Any, any fans out there? Come on, I know there's some. I know there's some. Uh, I love a good bit of Christian merch. Uh, who remembers these champion piece of apparel? WWJD Vans. That stands for? Oh, that was good. That was good. What would Jesus do? As a teenager, I thought that these bands were the pinnacle of standing up for Jesus. You know, I wore my, my WWJD band boldly. Now, in reality, it was probably only Christians that actually knew what it meant. Um, but what about, what about these kinds of things online? Uh, if you go looking online, you can get things like a mug that says theology matters. Ah, so everyone knows you're a, you're a thoughtful, thinking Christian as well. You know, or T-shirts. T-shirt options. May the Lord be with you. Uh, this is great to wear on, on the, the calendar day, May the 4th in, in particular. Let the reader understand. Uh, now, if that's too nerdy for you, uh, then you can get really spiritual with some Latin on a T-shirt. And then everyone goes, what is that? And you say, that means glory to God alone. How spiritual are you now? Or you can get super spiritual and switch to Greek. Doulos Yesu Christu, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. And you can tell them that you know that that's what it says. Or maybe t-shirts aren't your thing. So you've got things like, uh, this way you can turn anything into Christian merchandise. It's a pack of dice. Uh, no, not dice, it's a pack of uh, stamps. So you can turn anything into Christian merchandise. Uh, or uh, now the, the arm of God, you know, the end of Ephesians. Uh, you can get the sword of the spirit tie. Like this, this beauty. Uh, so, so many, so many options. Uh, la last one for you, just because I have to. We all love a good Charles Spurgeon quote. So here's one from Charles Spurgeon. If you can't read it, let, let me help, help with this one. Growing a beard is a habit most natural, scriptural, manly, and beneficial. Yes, that's a Charles Spurgeon quote, and how good is it? I knew I liked the guy. Maybe slightly dubious quote, I don't know. Um, while I'm sure, now, let me, let me be fair, I'm sure some of you actually do have uh, some really good stories of, of how merchandise uh, has actually prompted quite a good conversation. I'm not actually against it, although happy to poke a bit of fun at it. Uh, but according to the Bible, what is the way that the outside world will know we're a disciple of Jesus? By your T-shirt, will everyone know that, no. Uh, by your mug, will everyone... By your sword of the spirit tie, will everyone know that you... Are, no. 
by your love for one another will everyone know that you are my disciples. They will see the way you love your church family and they'll say, that's someone who follows Jesus. And they're legit about it. That's someone who's learning the way of Jesus. We are to be a community defined by love. A a people known for being kind and patient and gentle and compassionate with each other. We We have the biblical instruction, love one another. We must pursue, as we learn the way of Jesus, a lifestyle of generous, loving service. And let's make sure we are clear. You can love someone without an official role, position, roster, or serving team even. And we should love one another in many informal and unstructured ways. So why serve in a formal way in church life? Serve on a kids' church team or the hub or youth or morning tea teams or one of many other ways. Why serve in a formal way? Because serving in a formal way in church life is a great way for you to intentionally plan to love each other and what we really need to spur one another on to be grown in our faith journey with Jesus. We we serve in church life because it's a natural and key expression of our love for God and our love for each other. So to to sign up to serve in some way, especially to join a team, it's a plan to love your church family. It's a plan to make visible your love for God. Because when you join something like a serving team, you're committing yourself at that point to hundreds of opportunities to love your brothers and sisters in Christ well in the coming weeks and months and even years. And the outside world, your, your friends, your circles of influence, they can see that too. You know, they, they know that you couldn't hang out with them on Saturday because you were running the church camp kids program. Or, or you're swapping stories about your weekends and it's just natural to talk about how you're, you're leading a crèche team to invest into the lives of little ones and to bless parents to listen undistracted in church. Or your colleagues know when, when meals were brought to you by your connect group when you were sick. By this will everyone know that you are my disciples when you love one another. So we want a culture where everyone is serving Jesus with their whole life and where most are in a formal ministry team. And when you're on, your, when you're on a team, you want, you want to make sure that you're participating in a loving way. The, the way we communicate the way we handle frustrations, the way we give feedback, the way we problem-solve, must all be essentially loving. For those of you currently on a serving team, is the way you participate on your team characterised by other person-centred love? Because there's no point us doing it if it's without love. And we'll have more on that uh, next week. At the end of the day, we we cannot read these verses from John and to decide to express our love for God in entirely individual, sort of hyper-spiritual kinds of ways. That's a view of faith fueled by our highly individualistic culture where where self-actualization is the goal of life. 
No, we are people who love God in loving community. Again, we want a church culture where everyone is serving Jesus with their whole life and most are in a formal ministry team. The second New Testament theme related to serving in the life of the church, the mission of God's people. We are a people on mission. Uh, Come with me to Matthew chapter 28. I hope if you've been following Jesus for a while, you know this verse well. Then Jesus came near to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. You and I, as disciples of Jesus, are meant to be making disciples of Jesus. You and I are meant to be disciple-making disciples. The church has a mission because we are the gathered people of God, and so whether we're scattered or gathered, our mission remains the same. This has always been the mission of God all the way through Scripture that the people from every nation, tribe, and tongue might know him. Come with me quickly to 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 8. Here we meet King David instructing newly appointed temple servants and priests in praising God. And this is his first line of a long psalm that he gives to them. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 8. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. And jumping down to verse 31. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. We are the people of God. And we have both an individual and a corporate responsibility to pursue the fame and the glory of God amongst all peoples everywhere. And so you do not volunteer for church. We we work together on our common goal and mission as God's people. You might say, if you're really thinking this through, isn't my purpose in life to glorify God? Haven't I heard that somewhere before? Isn't my purpose to glorify God, not not make disciples? Are, Are they two different things? That really is a great question and worth pushing into. But it's a, it's a false dichotomy, it's a, it's a false distinction. Because yes, we glorify God in our lives in many ways, but you cannot properly glorify God in your life without participating in his mission. Because he is passionate about his fame and his glory globally. He wants people to know him. Psalm 96 picks up on this, just two lines. Verse 3 of Psalm 96 tells us, Declare his glory among the nations. It's similar to Chronicles, isn't it? His marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. God is glorified as we make maturing disciples of Jesus in ever-increasing number worldwide. And so you serve in church life because you own in part that responsibility. You serve 
because it's your mission. You serve seeking the goals and mission of the church because you personally share that same mission from Jesus. Now, it's been a while since I shared with you a sci-fi illustration, and uh, I'm thinking the church is probably a bit impoverished for the lack of them, so uh, here's, here's a new one for you. So hold on for a minute. Have you ever imagined what it would look like to colonise Mars and outer space? Anyone? All right, thank you. Okay, I've got one or two fellow nerds amongst me. Um, at the moment, I'm enjoying a TV series called The Expanse. It's set in a future where Earth has been colonised... Uh, where Earth has colonized Mars and the asteroid belt that lies between the orbits of Mars and Jupiter. And these three have become three distinct political entities. And so you've got the United Nations running Earth, and you've got the Martian Congressional Republic for Mars, and then the belt, which is everyone else living in outer space in tribes and factions. And the show explores the, the, the tensions that arise and the conflicts from Earth holding a monopoly on some very precious commodities for human life. Air, water, and gravity. And yet, Mars is depicted as a somewhat utopian society. Uh, that, now, they are in the long process of terraforming. Mars is what, what we know it to be. There's, there's no breathable air on the planet. There's no plants. It's just red dust everywhere. Everyone has to live inside in, in building structures and you are dead if you go outside. But yet, it's a kind of utopian society. It's a safe haven shedding the problems of Earth with meaning and purpose and the relentless pursuit of a common goal to terraform the planet. And so technology is advancing in leaps and bounds on Mars. Crime is low, spirits are high, there's virtually 0% unemployment rate, and it's, it's an entire nation planet united around the common goal and vision of terraforming Mars for their grandkids to enjoy. Everyone has a place in the grand project of a new world. And we too are making a new world. And we too share a common vision of a new humanity united around the risen Lord Jesus. We too have an unimaginably large tasks full of risks and challenges. And we have a God who has promised to bring it about and invites us to take part in it, to take part in things of eternal significance. Why serve in church life? Because you believe it. Because we've caught a vision. We've caught the vision for a better life offered to all people. And not only that, an, an infinitely better eternity to understate the point. And we want to be part of making that happen under God. And you serve when you realise that structures and plans and formal serving is a necessary part of organising ourselves to be effective. So I want to do a little thought experiment for a moment. When, when a team leader or a ministry leader or, or pastor like myself or Paul invites you to join a team or serve in some way, who's doing who a favour? Who's doing who a favour? Is it, is it me going, I desperately need your help, please, my team is so short, we're all so tired and so busy, can you please help us? Or, as they ask you 
they know you have a mission task to participate in. And they've just intentionally gone out of their way to offer you an opportunity to pursue an aspect of your life mission. They've, they've gone out of their way intentionally to offer you a chance to, to enjoy the meaning and the purpose and the joy and the fellowship and the transformative faith-growing community that happens when you're part of a team serving together. Now, it might not be a good fit for you. You, you might not have capacity to do it. You might, have, uh, you might need to say no thanks. But they have blessed you and they have loved you well by giving you the opportunity to genuinely say yes or no. If they didn't ask, they're saying no for you. They're giving you no chance, no opportunity to consider pursuing your God-given mission in that particular way. Third New Testament theme for serving in church life, the nature of belonging in Jesus' body. Uh, Come with me to Ephesians 4 verse 11. We heard it read out earlier. Ephesians 4 verse 11. So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Why serve? Because you won't mature and the church won't grow if you don't. Let me show you what I mean by that. Look back at verse 11. Here Paul tells us that, that Jesus gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The first two categories, they're they're preserved for us in the pages of the Old and New Testaments in the Bible. The the apostles and the prophets, they're they're the leaders that Jesus gave that that are foundational for us today through the scriptures, foundational to the universal church. And then Jesus gives evangelists. Now evangelists here seems to represent a gifting of someone who is particularly suited to maybe pioneering mission work, but particularly got a knack for, for communicating the gospel in, in ways that are, that are clear and, 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 and uh, uh, easy to understand for not yet Christians. The church leaders, maybe especially those doing pioneering mission work or church planting, Jesus gives evangelists. And then the last category or categories pastor and teacher. So evangelists continue today as a gift given by Jesus to the church. And pastors and teachers continue today given by Jesus. To simplify it, Jesus gave and gives some people to his church with particular leadership responsibilities. Now why does he give those particular people with leadership responsibilities? Verse 12. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So pastors and teachers in the church are expressly given by Jesus to his people so that all of his people are equipped for works of service. And the result is growth. So then in verse 13, unity in the faith, knowledge of Jesus, maturity in the likeness of Christ. 
And so if you belong to the body of Christ, if you are in Christ, you are meant to be helping it grow. Belonging to the body of Christ here is, is expressed through doing what you can to help see the body grow. And you all do have gifts, skills, mindsets, creativity and prayers to offer. The implication of this is big. So to make it very practical, uh, for, for Paul and myself as, as your pastors, here we are, we're biblically instructed to not just busy ourselves doing all the works of ministry, but instead to equip you, his people, his body, for the building up of the body. Or to put it another way, pastors should not monopolize ministries, but rather mobilize and multiply. And so we teach, and there's a, pr prime, a primacy in scripture of this particular aspect of the task. We proclaim God's word, but we also, we train leaders. We organize teams, we promote prayer, we, we foster positive collaboration and hopeful mindsets. We, we think intentionally about system bottlenecks. We encourage and release people to serve one another. We, we need to do whatever is needed to promote all God's people doing gospel ministry. The church is... Uh, what, uh, the Bible uses many metaphors for the church. And uh, thinking a metaphor is, is helpful for the church, I think, in its complexities and angles. The church is not like a resort where you look around and you see a few people who are there to serve and everybody else is there to be served. The church is not like a res resort. The church is more similar to an army base. You are not there unless you are there to contribute for the work and the mission. And there might be some people there who, who are really new and they're just really needing intensive training. There might be others there who are wounded and needing rest and recovery and healing, but the majority are being sent on regular missions and working. Whatever the case may be, everyone is there to work together to pursue the common goal and objective. And the Apostle Paul in this passage in Ephesians, he goes on to paint a, a beautifully rich picture of the maturity of disciples that will result from this sort of every member ministry. Have a look at verse 15, chapter 4. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Are you committed to doing your part? And do you have a vision for the fruitful, mature and multiplying body of Christ that will emerge? Because we're better together. We're better together. Our, our culture, our cultural moment promotes as the highest good, the autonomy of the individual to be and to do whatever they want. But the Bible says we're better together. The Bible promotes a picture of a unified and diverse community of grace and truth bearing the fruitfulness of matured disciples in ever-increasing number. 
we get to partake in things of eternal significance. So why serve? You serve because you belong, and we're better together. You might say, I don't have time. I have no time to serve. These are hard things to think through. There might be a hobby that you need to dial back this year. There might be a long process of considering lifestyle change that you might need to make. There might be a promotion or a business venture that you need to put the brakes on. Or there might be an app that you need to delete off your phone. As your pastor, I want to honestly encourage you. Encourage you to pursue your joy in Christ, in part by serving in church life. As you find more joy in God when you are not pushing against who you are and who you are becoming in Christ as a maturing disciple yourself. We serve because it, it's a part of our grace-given identity in Christ. And some of you may have tender consciences on this as well, and, and I want to I be aware of this. This is important. There will always be a small percentage amongst us. You, you might not really be able to serve formally. You, you might even be able to do very little for those around you. Maybe you're in a season where you just need a lot of love and a lot of serving for whatever reason it might be. There are things that we can change and there are things that we cannot change. And so serve and love to whatever capacity and ability God has given you. Almost all can pray. Almost all can have encouraging conversations. And you can have a heart to do more, to, to pray, God, will you grace me with the ability to do just, just a bit more gospel work? Will you, will you give me that, God? You can have a heart for that. We all serve because it's who we are. We belong in the body of Christ. And it's our Christ-given mission. So to put it all together, don't volunteer for church. Serve motivated, motivated by God's love for you as an expression of, of your love for him because you belong with God's people on mission. I want to close uh, by asking you to consider uh, whether you could get the ball rolling on, on something new in your life a new way to, to serve in the life of the church. Uh, to get the ball rolling and then to go home and, and pray uh, and talk with others uh, close in your life. Here's how this morning you could start the ball rolling in a conversation. Uh, on our church website, uh, there is a, a serving expression of interest form that lists lots of different opportunities and ways to serve in the life of our church. It, it's a conversation starter. Uh, you might... Uh, you might feel prompted uh, to fill it out this morning, uh, especially if you think there might be some sort of change you could make in the way you're serving. It, it's certainly not a commitment. It's a, I'd love a conversation. It's, it's starting that. So I want to just give a moment now, uh, either way, to give all of us uh, just some space uh, to reflect, uh, to pray, and if you feel prompted to 
feel free to pull out your phone and go to the church website, scroll down, and, uh, and do that, that form uh, just in the next moments. Uh, so either way, uh, for us to reflect, to pray, you might like to pull your phone out. Um, if that doesn't work for you, uh, then over morning tea, please chat to someone at the hub, uh, and they can uh, talk it through with you on one of the iPads that are there as well. Don't let the technology stop you. Um, we've got the hub there to serve you in that way as well. But let's take a moment now. I'm going to ask the tech guys to just put on some uh, quiet background music. Please refre- reflect, uh, pray quietly, and um, uh, in a moment the music will lead us in our final song. So music team, I'll ask you guys to come up now so that you're, you're ready and, and Kyle will get us started after a time of reflection.